happy Father's Day, first of all, um, to the fathers that are here. Um, and you know, the greatest joy in my life uh, has been being a dad. Just the, just the, uh, it, the, the greatest joy, I mean, other than knowing who Christ is and what he's done in my life, other than knowing the love of an incredible woman, the next thing has been just being a dad. It's been one of the greatest joys of my life. Now, a granddad, which is even more fun. Um, we maybe even could have skipped the other. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I will also tell you that the most scary, the most sobering, the most fearful, trembling moment in my life came the day that I learned that we, I was going to be a dad. And uh, it's still, not as frequently, but it's still a scary thought. And now it's even more so because I'm a granddad. I'll never forget when our first grandson was born, my son called me late, at, which is our, still our habit, actually. We call each other a lot of times late at night. And, um, and I remember him calling me saying, Dad, I got, I got, I got, I got a kid. I'm, I'm responsible for, I mean, it's one thing being married, but now I'm responsible for another human being. This is, I don't know, I don't know if I can handle this. I said, you'll be fine, son. Don't worry about it. I know the feeling. And maybe you can think back and remember, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for another human life. My wife and I. Um, it's, it's a sobering, fearful thought at times, but it's also one of the greatest blessings in the world. And, and you never stop being a dad. Or mom. You never stop. Um, uh, your children will go through many seasons of life, and you'll go through those seasons with them. And each, each season will bring a little different set of, of blessing and challenge along with it. It never, it never ends. And, and, and the need for dad and mom never ends. Again, different seasons, different ways, but it never ends. So here's what I've done. I said, what do I want to do in Father's Day? Well, let's see. I've been a dad... For 39 years. Okay. So what I need to do is, 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 is give 39 lessons that I've learned of being a dad for 39 years. And um, I, I hope you're prepared to spend the afternoon. Um, now, some of them won't take very long at all, but, but somebody asked me after the first service, how long did it take you to write that? I said, 39 years. Don't you get it? 39 years it took me to write that message. Um, I want to begin, though, in Proverbs chapter 4. Just, just follow along with me here. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I, too, was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother, Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands, and you will live. Listen to what I'm going to tell you, son, and it's going to, you're going to be better off for it. How many times have you said that, maybe? Listen to what I'm telling you, daughter or son. Listen to what I'm telling you. I'm going to help you, I'm going to help you avoid some pain if you listen to me. And lots of times I go ahead and do it anyway, and they say, Okay, you know, you don't say, I told you so. Well, maybe you do sometimes. Um, 39 things here. Let's get started right now. Number one, obviously the most important, communicate unconditional love. We could spend the whole morning on that, right? Unconditional love is huge. For a a child, at any age, to know, no matter what, no matter what, my mom and dad are going to love me. There may be consequences. There may be this, there may be that. But I know they're still going to love me and accept me. I I just know that. You have to communicate that. I think you know. And maybe some of you, I know, some of you have experienced what it means to, be, to grow up in a home 
and have parents who only give you conditional love. Um, it's a tough, tough, tough way to live. And it takes a long time to get over that. That's the most important thing. Communicate unconditional love. By the way, before you go crazy trying to write all these down, these are going to be on the, all going to be on the blog at, uh, on our website um, uh, right around 12 or 1 o'clock, sometime this afternoon, so, uh, just so you know. Communicate unconditional love. That's the first thing, obviously, very clear. Number two, actions communicate as much as words. Don't just say the words. It's how you follow up with your actions, whether it be doing something or doing what you said you would do or, or doing what they really wanted you to Actions communicate as much as words. It's not just the words. It's the follow-up with the actions. Remember that. Always important. Number three, state and restate the obvious. I, I can't state and restate the obvious. <laughs> Whether it be when my son was a little kid and I would say, don't play in the street. Don't play in the street. Don't play in the street. All right, Because you get run over and die. That's why. Um, we had a Franklin stove uh, early on in, in, our, in our house in Birmingham. And, you know, you only need it about twice a year. But, but every time we'd crank it up, my son, very young at the time, I, I'd say, don't touch the Franklin stove. Oh, don't touch the Franklin stove. Actually, one day he touched the Franklin Ah! You know, and I'm like, told you not to touch the Franklin stove. <clears throat> State and restate the obvious, okay? Later on in life, it's different ways and different things. And some of that might be, hey, I'll be there for you. I love you. You're going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. State and restate the obvious. Number four, make sure you have fun with them. I have two, I have two points on this. I'll come, to it. I'll come to another one about the same thing later. It, it's so important. Our gener- um, my father's generation, World War II generation, the greatest generation, I believe, um, maybe didn't understand that as much. Maybe most of us boomers do understand that. In case you don't, you, you, you got to do things that, things that they think are fun too. Make sure you have fun with them. Number, number five, look for teaching moments in everything, whether it be in nature or whether it be in, in the news. Or Look for teaching moments everywhere. I had, I had, uh, we had I'm going to tell you more about this in a moment, but our two grandsons, we have two in Birmingham, Alabama, and then we got two here, two daughters here granddaughters here. They were here two weeks ago, and I was watching a movie with them. It was actually, I, I was actually making them watch this movie. It was Gettysburg, which wasn't, <laughs> wasn't hard, but um, I said, we're watching this movie. What is it? Gettysburg. What is it? I said, just watch the movie. Here's some uh, pretzels. Don't worry about it. You, you, know, you buy them Coke and pretzels, they'll do anything, right? Anyway, um, so, and, and we come to that point, and it's a long story, so I'm, I'm, if you don't know the history of it all, there was this big confrontation that happened in history and in this movie between General Lee and uh, General uh, Jeb Stewart, who really let, let the army of the Potomac, who really let Lee's army down. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Basically, it cost, I don't know if you know this, the South lost that war, and, and they lost that battle as well at Gettysburg, just in case you need a little history lesson. And, um, and they lost Gettysburg, which probably is why they lost the war, but they lost it mainly, many scholars believe, because Jeb Stewart wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. So I was explaining that to my kids, my grandsons. We get to this moment. I stopped the movie. I said, hey, watch this right here. This is how a godly man confronts somebody who's really screwed up. And there's this great depiction in the movie of General Lee confronting General Stewart, Jeb Stewart. And it was just, he handled, and from what I've read, he handled it just that way, perfectly, as in you screwed up, yada, yada, but then came back with a hug or not, 
not literally a hug, but, you know, some warmth and so forth. I said, watch, learn the leadership of this. This is how you confront someone. Look for those teaching moments everywhere when you're with kids. They're just everywhere. Whether you're watching a ball game and somebody flies off the handle, whatever it might be. So look for those teaching moments in everything. Number six, pray with them. I think you understand that. It's important. Not just when they're little kids either. Pray with them. They need your prayer. They need to hear you pray for them. They need to hear you ask God's blessing for them. And I don't, certainly you do that when they're kids and you put them to bed. But I mean later on as well, especially when they're teenagers and they really need those prayers. You know, and, and, and later on, so pray for them. Pray with them. Number seven, listen to your kids. Listening to your kids gives you a better understanding of the world they live in instead of always telling them what the world was like when you were their age. You know, I, I have to catch myself all the time. Oh, well, I tell my 16-year-old grandson, oh, yeah, when I was 16, man, I'm, I was dating a bunch of girls and stuff. My son's over there going, no, 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 don't tell <laughs> You know, <laughs> whoops, I didn't mean that. Instead of telling them about what life was like back in the day, and there's some of that that you, they need, you need to do, certainly, but instead of that, it's a matter of saying, tell me about school. Tell me about what's going on here. What kind of things do you have to deal with? Do you have, is there a bullying issue in your school? Tell me about that. Just listen to them. Ask them questions and listen to them. Number eight, hold them tightly but loosely. What does that mean? You love them, you hold on to them, but they're going to grow up and they're going to leave you, Okay? That's what's going to happen. They're going to leave you, and they're not going to call you back, okay? <laughs> kid, my, I tease my kids all the time about that. Did you ever hear of returning a phone call? It's a new concept, isn't it? Um, I, I joke about it, but it's true. At the same time, they are. They're eventually going to leave. You know, here's, here's, the, here's what I'm trying to get at. Hold them tightly but loosely. How many times have you heard someone say, well, the problem with that, that marriage is the husband or the wife is still tied to their mother's apron strings? How many times have you seen that? I've seen marriages destroyed because one or the other just wouldn't let go, and the parent wouldn't let go either. That's a problem. Hold them tightly but loosely. Number nine and ten go together. Number nine, they're always watching. Even when they're always watching you. You don't think they are, but they're watching you. And then later on, they'll come back and tell you when they get older. They'll say, I remember when I saw you do, do, do this. How did you see me? Oh, I saw you. And they're always listening. Somehow they got ears everywhere. And they may be playing their stupid little video games, but they're still listening. You don't think they're listening, but they're listening, especially if you do something wrong. They, 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 they hear that. Number 11, a very important one. The influence of a father affects his kid's view of God. Huge view here. Huge, huge, huge lesson here. Ephesians 3 says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Every family has a father. Some of you, I know some of you, I know, I've talked to some of you about this, have a, a, a really bad view of God because your dad was less than he should have been. I could say a lot of things there. Your dad was, was, was a horrible dad. Maybe he was overbearing. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe it was verbal. Maybe it was more. Maybe it was something else. And, and as a result, unfortunately, we carry that with us. Now, if you have the blessing, like I have, of having a father who, who loves God and who loves Christ and has, for most part of it, for most all the time, he's not perfect, has, has, has lived that example before me. That's gave me a huge, it gave me a huge advantage in having a better understanding of who God is. I, you still have to read the Bible and get a better understanding, but it's a great way, we, dads, it's a great way that we can help our kids start on the way to have a health, healthy view of God. 
If you're here, you say, yeah, but Rich, I didn't have that. You know what? It's not too late. Find somebody, like Charlie was talking about, find somebody in your life who can be like a dad figure to you. You know, it's not too late. It's never too late for that. The influence of the Father is huge. It's in, it's in very subtle ways. It's number 11. Number 12, figure out their love language and practice it. What is it they like doing? You know, I, I'm not big on tea parties. I'm not big on tea parties at all. Um, but, you know, when, when Stephanie was a little girl and she wanted to do tea parties, you know, I didn't do it every time, but I would do tea parties. This is great. Yeah. Um, now I have a granddaughter who just thinks the greatest thing in the world is to have a tea party. It's great. Um, it's okay to introduce them some things that you like as well. I, both of my kids I introduced to golf, and one of them still does. Um, and the other one, probably, uh, my daughter probably could be a much better golfer than I could if she had the ability, to, time to do it. Uh, but find out their love language and, 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 and practice it, whatever that might be. Um, what they like doing, things that preference, they have preferences for, things they want to watch on television that are, that are wholesome. Number 13, kids with the same, this is so, so important, kids with the same set of parents can be very different people. Very different. Adapt. You know, say, well, this is how I operate. This is my parental standards. You know, you might just have to blow that up when you start having a second or third child. Because I, I, I have two kids that could not be more different. And, and, and that's, you just, you, you have to adapt to who they are in order to give them the proper upbringing. Number 14, history plays an important part of learning how we got where we are today. Give them a sense of history in their family and in their country. I'm, we're big on that. I want my kids to know about my grandparents and where we came from and, and, and Charlene's family and where they came from and what's going, what happened in their family and so forth. Very interesting in our cases, very diverse. Charlene raised in the South, me raised in the North in Ohio. And uh, they need to know that. And about our country. One of the things I did with my grandsons is two weeks ago, I took them on the, the grand, they called it Granddad's History, History Tour of D.C. And uh, took them down and took them through some different museums and had some stuff that called my congressman. He took us, took us through the, the state house and, you know, we did the whole underground thing there where you have the congressional offices that are connected to the Capitol and you just, they, they never have to go outside. And he, they took us through all that. The kids were just blown away by it all. Took them on, I got a couple walking tours like one walking tour of, of uh, the night John Wilkes Booth killed Lincoln. This was, it was a great tour. Just walked from the White House to Ford's Theater, and this lady giving the tour is just really great. I mean, she knew all the details. So I took them on that, and they were, and we're talking about a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, and they were riveted. I mean, they were riveted to this stuff. I want them to understand this country. I want them to understand the history here and how we got where we are. It's huge. History plays an important part of their family and of their country. 15, make sure your hard and fast rules are worth it. You might want to whittle some of them down a little bit. It's called choosing your battles. And that's hard. That's hard. And, and you're not going to, you're going to have to sit, you and your, your wife or husband are going to have to figure that out because you're not going to, I mean, I'm telling you, Charlene and I never had a disagreement until we literally did, but we never really had a fight until we had kids. You want to do what? No, you want to do what? I'm like, I mean, we, two sets of parents, two different families. We, I want to do this one. And we always, I'm exaggerating only a little. You, you work that stuff out. You know what that's like. You, you have your kids and you want to raise them one way and your wife wants to do it a different way on certain issues. You've got to work that out in private and then, you know, put on a united front in public. But, um, but the issue there is make sure you agree on what they are. Are you going to go to war over a messy room? Or is there, are there other things, more important things like school and, and social issues and some other things going 
I'm not telling you what to do. Just figure that out yourself. Uh, 16, get to know their friends well. You got to know their friends. Their friends, listen, their friends, particularly in their teen years, have more influence on them than you do at times. You better know what the heck they're hearing. All right? Get to know their friends well. Do whatever you have to do. Have them over. Have them, you know, build a, build a kid's party room down in your basement or whatever you got to do. Number 17, keep communication lines open, whatever that takes. Didn't text for a long time. Texting came in. I didn't text. And then I started figuring out through both my son and my daughter, best way to communicate with us is through text. I'm going to text. I'm doing the same. I made the, made the overture to our my youngest grandson, 14. I said, when his, when, whenever, you, whenever you as parents will let him have a phone, I'll, I'll pay for it so I can stay in touch with him. You know, and they have to discern, determine what age is appropriate in their family. I'll, I'll respect that, whatever that is. Keep those communication lines open, whatever it takes, right? Number 18, demand respect and give it. Sometimes I have parents say, you know, my kid treats me this way or my, that way. And I say, don't let him treat you that way. You just say, you're not going to speak to your father that way. I'm not going to allow it and mean it. And use whatever disciplinary measures you need to do to make sure they do. But at the same time, you give that respect back. Demand respect and give it. Number 19, my wife threw this one in. Name calling never helps. I don't know where she got that. Uh, Verse 20. It's true, though. I mean, sometimes we can have little fun things we can say, but, I mean, be careful with that because name-calling can, can, can really go crazy, and it can, it, can leave, it can leave scars, even if you didn't mean it, and even if you mean it in a different way than how it, was, how it was dealt out. Number 20, remember, every conversation is a potential game-changer. Greatest football coach ever, Bear Bryant, used to say, every football game comes down to two or three plays, just two or three. The only problem is we don't know when those plays are going to happen. And therefore, we have to play every play like the game may depend on it because it might. Same thing is true in conversations with kids. Sometimes in the most innocent way, they come in from a date and you're in bed or you're on the couch. And, they, and, and if you're like us, you, they check, you, check with you as soon as they get home, even though I'm still awake. And, hey, Dad, how's it going? Hey, good. What did you do tonight? I don't know. You know what we did? We did the, you know, okay, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Don't. Take that right then. Don't talk. Talk to me. It won't happen much, but when it does, you've got to be ready. Whether it be then or some other time or after something that happens at school or some, some current event that happens, just, just, just remember, every conversation <clears throat> is a potential game changer. Treat every conversation like this might be the one. Number 21, make sure they know that other than Christ, your relationship with Christ and, and their mother, that they are the most important priority to you. Make sure they know that. Let them know that. You know, other than my relationship with Christ and your mother, you're the most important thing in my life. And the, the actions, again, the actions are going to show that, not just the words. Number 22, don't ever lose control. Easy to say, not always easy to do, depending on your personality. You know, Proverbs gives us a great, Proverbs is a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up angry. If you stop and analyze every conversation that, that, that started going downhill that you've had with kids or anybody else for that matter, somewhere in that, in that conversation when something was said inflammatory, the other person made a choice. Either they're going to respond harshly or they're going to just, let's, let's be big boys here and big girls here and just respond with gentleness. It's amazing especially with your kids, because they can say some pretty hurtful things sometimes, particularly when they're teenagers, uh, and even later. 
at times. They can say some hurtful things, not meaning to, maybe meaning to, I don't know. But somebody has to be the adult. I can't tell you how many times I've said that with the kids, to uh, uh, parents my age with adult children. And, and there's just, it's just a, a crap show going on. Just going down, yeah, 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 yeah. And I come in and they bring me in after everybody's, you know, laying on the floor bloody, and uh, figuratively speaking. And I say in private to the uh, person my age, who the heck is going to be the adult here? And they're kind of looking at me. I said, come on. Pull up your big boy pants and be the adult. That's what's got to happen. So, don't lose control. Number 23, church is always a priority, but don't be rigid. You're hearing that from a pastor of 35 plus years. I had a hard time with it. I had a hard time with it when club sports started coming along. And, and that came along with our second. And Stephanie was a big volleyball player, and she had a future in college and played in college. And so she had to play club, and that's always on Sunday. And um, I, had a hard, I struggled with it. And we said, well, we've we, we got to do it. It's the right thing to do uh, in her particular situation. I think it was part of that in my background. You know, but, so church is important, but let's don't be rigid here. There's, 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 there are other things. And there are other ways we can also be nurtured spiritually besides church. It's important, but it shouldn't be the only thing. You've heard me say that before, and Chris as well. Number 24, do whatever it takes to get them together with some sort of regularity. That's especially as, as they get older, college and even beyond. Uh, it, it's important for families to come together, if, if maybe, maybe it's once a year, but, but with some sort of regularity. There's a saying I have, pay for it, they will come. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Somebody tell me that they had some sort of issue going on between them and their, and their son's family. And they weren't talking much, hardly at all. There's some real strain. I said, well, just this summer, have a vacation. Oh, they'll never come. I said, pay for it, they'll come. They did, you know? <laughs> Amazing how that works. Do whatever it takes. Get them together with some sort of regularity. 25, do not underestimate the importance of discipline. I don't mean just punitive discipline. I don't mean just corrective discipline. That's, that's important too. But for instance, I saw my dad, my dad modeled for me just the, the, the virtue of hard work. Whatever you do, work hard. He lived it, he did it. Guess what? I work hard. Where did I get that from? Just because I'm from the Midwest, I have the Midwest work ethic, and now it's because my dad modeled it before me without ever saying much about it. Every now and then he'd throw in little things, but I just saw that. Work hard. Don't ever estimate. That's discipline. That's a discipline. Number 26, teach forgiveness and grace. Gosh. In the world that we live in, people, if you can't give your kids a great, healthy concept of forgiveness and grace, they are going to be, it's going to be a mess. You've got to understand that. Colossians makes it clear, bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 27, car trips give kids and parents time to bond. And for you Jersey people, I don't mean a car trip to Hoboken, okay? I mean, take a, take a family vacation somewhere and take a car. It's pretty fun, actually. That's so bad, except you've got to pump your own gas everywhere else. That's a pain in the butt. But um, <clears throat> sorry, I didn't say that. Um, anyway, car trips are great. Number 28, love life. It'll be contagious. They're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're going to mimic. They're going to model your view of life. If you're a critic, cynic, crotchety old, you know, whatever, guess what they're going to be? 
Think about that. Love life. It'll be contagious. Remember, they're watching you, number 28 and 29. They're watching when you go through down times. They're watching how you handle trial. You lost your job. You got some financial hits. They're watching how you handle that. Don't forget that. They're watching. You say, oh, they're not watching. They're in bed. Oh, they may, not be, they may be listening. They, they figure this stuff out. They're amazing human beings. Um, number 30, pay for their counseling. It's probably because of you. <laughs> I mean it. I'm serious about that. I practice this. You need counseling, I'm paying. Here. <laughs> teach, teach by an example of self-awareness. Teach by an example of self-awareness, aware of, 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 of where you are and who's around you and how you handle, how you treat people, how you handle stuff. Teach by that example of, of being aware of what's going on around you. Number 32, don't transfer your unfulfilled dreams to your kid. This is, this is aimed at the little league dad. You know him? <laughs> Let me give you some amazing statistics. 0.5% of all high school varsity seniors who play baseball, 0.5% make it to the big leagues. In basketball, it's 0.03% of varsity seniors who make it to the NBA. 0.03%, not 3%, 0.03%. Uh, Football, 0.09%. Ice hockey, 0.4%. This is a nice way of saying from your, hearing from your pastor, your kid's probably not going to play major league sports, okay? Deal with it. (laughs) Probably not going to make it. So take it a little easy when you're out there hollering at the coach or whatever you're doing at at the little league game. Back off a little bit, all right? Um, number 33, watch for your sinful tendencies in your kids. Help them to deal with it. We all know that's true. We talk about alcoholism being in a family. It's not just alcoholism. If you have a, whatever you're, if you have, if you have a problem with, with temper, anger, your kids might also have that problem. Help them with that. Let them know, hey, I've had that issue. Let me, let me, let me tell you what, what I'm doing. Help them deal with it. That's why you're there. Your kids can end up smarter than you. Embrace it. In my case, I got a double dose of it. Uh, verse th- 35, there must be an understanding, I can always go home. I'll be accepted. I can always go home. It may be coming out of jail. It may be coming from somewhere else. But I know mom and dad's going to accept me. There may be consequences. There may be this. But I know they're going to be there with a hug. I can always go home. Not everybody has that. Not everybody has that. You need to provide that. 36, your influence never ends. The seasons just change. Your influence never ends. I had, had a gift given to me this past winter. I get a text. I thought it was January, February. I get a text from my son. And you need to know, we have a very good relationship. And I, I, don't, I very rarely speak into his life about the kids unless he asks, and he asks a lot. But, um, so I don't normally do this, but uh, in January, February, I got a text. Caleb totaled his car. My 16-year-old grandson saved his money, works at Chick-fil-A, saved his money, bought a car. Within about two weeks, he just totaled it. And um, I, I, said, and I, I wrote back, is he okay? And what seemed like two weeks, it was really just two minutes, but what seemed like two weeks, the, the text finally came back, he's fine, but the car's gone. So I called everybody, and everybody's okay. Talked to my grandson, told him, and welcome to the Teeters Men's Club. We've all done it. And your dad, your dad did too, you know, and uh, tried to encourage him a little bit. And um, about a week later, I called, how are you doing, Caleb? He said, oh, I'm okay. I said, well, you get back. I was concerned. Have you gotten back in the car to drive? And he says, no, nah, Dad won't let me. I said, what? He said, Dad won't let me. I said, okay. And I didn't say anything else. I talked some other small talk and hung up. Called my son, my son immediately. I said, Chris, what the heck are you doing? 
He said, Dad, you don't understand. He, he was driving too fast in our neighborhood. And he told his car. I said, let me remind you of something. <laughs> Did we ever have, oh, two or three or four conversations about you driving too fast in our neighborhood? And neighbors saying things to me, and I came down. You, do you remember? Silence. Yeah, I remember that. And how about, do you remember totaling my car? Not your car, totaling my car. Do you remember that? And then wrecking another one of my cars. Do you remember that? I said, let him drive. You've got to get him back driving again, okay? He said, oh, you're right, Dad, okay. I just love that moment. I love that moment. It was just vindictive parenting or something. It was like, got you, sucker, yeah. I know I could use that. He responded in a really good way, by the way, and it was really great. Uh, number 37, playing with your kids at any age makes for greater talks later, maybe even much later. I talked about that earlier, having fun with them. Playing with them makes for great talks then, but, but especially later. Play with them. Have fun. 38, two to go. We're going to make it. Encourage, encourage, encourage. There's enough in life that will tear them down. I can't emphasize that enough. They don't need, they need more than anything from you. They need encouragement. Because they got, they got some jack wagon at school that's going to be saying stuff to them. And they got some jack wagon on the trader floor when they're older that's going to be saying stuff to them. People tearing them down, tearing them down, tearing them. That's life, people. And if we don't, if we don't raise our kids with this healthy self-image and encouragement, encouragement, and encouragement, man, they're going, to be, they're going to be bad shape. Encourage, encourage, encourage. There's enough room in life. That's going to tear. There's going to be plenty of time. People are going to tear them down. So work hard on the encouragement. The last one, 39. We made it. 39. Love their mother passionately. They notice how you treat each other, and they'll likely repeat it. That's huge. Especially the repeating part. That's huge. Listen to my son. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender, cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. Listen to what I say. Lord God, we are grateful for the opportunities that we have as parents and some of us as grandparents. We're grateful for the opportunity and the challenge that you give. That you give. I pray, God, that each one of us would take our, take our responsibilities seriously, that we would stay literally or figuratively on our knees talking to you and gaining the wisdom and the strength and the discipline that we need. Pray for that, God. Help us each one. I pray for each family here, a special blessing upon them and each dad, especially those as we seek to be the kind of dads and moms as well that you want us to be. We thank you for that, and we thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.